Welcome to the Gut Gazette podcast, where we have gutsy conversations about everything related to your gut. Mental health, food, relationships, exercise, there are so many factors that are linked to your gut, and here we talk about them all. I'm your host, Megan Marsiglio, and I'm on a mission to break the poo taboo, support digestive health, and destigmatize digestive issues. My passion for gut health stems from personal experience. I have IBS and Crohn's, and I know firsthand what it's like to live with a gut that has a mind of its own. But I've come to terms with the fact that it's my normal, and because of that, I've learned to embrace it. My goal is to have you embracing whatever it is you're going through. I hope to inspire self-advocacy in all of you, and after listening to each episode, my intention is you walk away feeling confident and empowered about your gut, mind, and body. Today on episode three, I'm chatting with Katie Fenn, a life coach, mentor, and spiritual teacher. We discuss all things intuition, how to listen to your gut feelings, and how to embrace your norm. Katie is incredibly wise, and I can't wait for you to hear what she has to say. to have you on the podcast today. I've been following your social media on Instagram and I just love your wisdom and inspiration that you share with everyone. Um, I actually discovered you when I was watching The Bachelor Canada and I thought you had such a familiar face. Of course, I had to look you up on Instagram and I couldn't figure out where I knew you from. I knew that you're from Toronto, Mm -hmm. so maybe I thought I'd just seen you around downtown and then a few months after, I realized that you went to Glen Bernard Camp, which is the same summer camp that I went to. So, kind of a small world. Totally. Yeah. I love when that happens. I know. And so I love good. meeting fellow GBCers. All <laughs> the GBCers. <laughs> all the camp girls are doing really good things. That's the benefits of the all-girls camp. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. But anyway, thank you. I'm so excited to have you here. And I really want to dig into your journey and learn how you have become such a successful mentor, spiritual coach, guide. You weren't always this. Can you kind of give us a little intro into what you do now and how you got into it? Sure. So my all the work that I do now is ultimately focused on empowering women to be in their fullest expression, which just means them really going after whatever it is that they want in their lives and doing that from a place of truth and authenticity, which means really connected to their inner voice or intuition, really feeling supported and open to the universe or a power that is supporting them in whatever way that looks like for different people. And to use that connection to their inner voice and connection to the universe at large to really create a life that really lights them up and then from that place they're able to make whatever impact that they came here to do. So I do that now through coaching one-on-one, I do that through a bunch of group programs online, I do that through retreats, I do that through women's circles, I now do that through a bunch of movement work too. Ultimately it's really just supporting women into rising into their power in, in the biggest way that they can. I work with women, I mean my background was in law so okay. I get a lot of women who are also 
in what I call just sort of high pressure jobs mm-hmm. who are looking, who feel like they have lost themselves in that pressure cooker and are looking to regain a connection to who they really are and what they really want because they're so kind of in overdrive. And within that, really helping women who are in, it doesn't matter what industry, but if you're in a position of leadership, also understanding how to be in a leadership role but still so connected to your feminine energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a lot of what I talk about and help women with as well as understanding what is feminine power, what is feminine leadership and doing that. But all the women that I work with, I mean, most of them are 25 to 35. That's my target range. Um, But they are of all different backgrounds, all different stages in their life. Um, But normally they're in some type of transition when people first find me, at least to one of my offerings. Like one of the, the things that that I actually put out there in one of the programs, they find that at whatever point they're in a transition and started to ask themselves, I think, deeper questions about who they are, what they want in life, and like what life is about mm-hmm. in general. I bet a lot of people, they don't realize they need it until they discover it. Yeah, right? until they have some, I call them spiritual smackdowns. Like often okay. what happens is something happens that eventually pushes them to ask these questions. It's often... I get it a lot through breakups or relationships, like if someone's breaking up or they've just been broken up with, that often shakes them Mm -hmm. of being to think about what what does their life now look like. Or oftentimes, too, I get people where it's just they get to this stage where they have all the things, they're checking all the boxes, um, they have the job that they thought they wanted, and they're living in the way that they thought they always wanted, and yet they're not feeling fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Or alternatively, they thought that they wanted certain things. That didn't actually happen for them. So now they're kind of like, okay, well, life really didn't unfold the way that I wanted it to. What now does that mean, and how can I kind of take back the control um, and live in a way that's empowered and authentic to me now? And you had a spiritual smackdown, which led you to doing this, right? Yes. I had my own spiritual smackdown, which was that, you know, I was always super in tune. I watched a lot of Oprah going up. Mm -hmm. Oprah at the time was all about, you know, really designing your life and that you have the power to create your life. And so I grew up you know, in, in that mindset, I really got that. I was a real go-getter girl. And I said, okay, I want to be a lawyer. I want to work at Bay Street. I want to have a boyfriend that's like this. And I created this vision for my life that was what I thought I really wanted. Um, and then when I got there, I was, it was my quarter life crisis. I was 25 and it was just that I started to feel more and more disconnected and disillusioned as I got there, which made me just basically feel, depressed like it just made me feel sad it made me feel just not like myself it basically made me feel like all my vibrancy and energy had been um completely burnt out basically and I was 25 at 25 because I'm like well I had worked for this life for so long wow like this is what I thought the most epic version of my life is going to be and now here I am in it and I'm not feeling fulfilled and in fact I'm feeling less motivated less passionate than I've ever felt before so in that I decided that I needed to get quiet at least and just calm down and start to gain some clarity and from that place I had a real just unraveling of of me actually understanding that so much of what I created in my life was created based on expectations that that whether it was my parents or the schools that I went to or friends or media or whatever had pushed on to me and I sort of had to unravel everything and think, okay, well, what parts of this are actually authentic and true for me and I actually like and what parts of it did I just do because I was kind of just following the sheep herd and right. they're actually not things that light me up nor do I really like. Yeah, I think it, you're lucky that you realize that early on. Totally. And so many people are stuck in what they think is success. Mm-hmm. But it's really deeper, your emotions and your feelings. and For sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's hard. And it's hard too, I think, when your life is objectively good, and I see this all the time, people who are kind of like, well, it's not like I'm destitute and I have this job and it's good or I have this partner and it's good. And and I think a lot of people just settle for like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And... And I think that for me, it's just also my personality. Like, that was never going to be an okay way of living. It just, that, to me, was never, it just, I, I wasn't okay in that, in that realm. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, if I want to live a life that really lights me up, what's that going to look like? And, yeah, I was lucky to do it at the time because, at least for me, different people's journeys are different. But then it, from there, it took me a really long time to kind of, you know, go back to square one and think, okay, well, what is the vision? And then it took five years before I fully transitioned into now doing the work that I do full time. So I'm glad that that happened because Mm -hmm. now it gave me an ample time to really allow myself to step into being the person doing the work that I now do. Yeah. And did you work with a coach or a mentor when you were going through that process? No, which is bananas. I mean, had one existed that understood what I was going through, which was a combination of a spiritual awakening while also trying to unravel who I was while Mm -hmm. also trying to come up with a vision, I would have worked with them in a heartbeat. They just straight up did not exist. Okay. And so the funny thing is that I've just become the person that I wish existed when I was going through the thing and all my clients are ultimately going through the same questions, the same process that I had to go through when I had no guide or mentor. So my guides and mentors became books, they became retreats, they became, you know, me putting together all the different resources to help myself. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't a person that was, at least at the time, speaking openly about the same questions, except Gabrielle Bernstein a little bit. But she, even at that point, she had a retreat, so I went on a retreat at that point. But otherwise, there really wasn't anyone else out there. So then that's why I just became the person that I wish existed at that time. But little by little, I did start to call in different mentors, and Mm -hmm. I definitely received that, especially with women who are all about 10 to 15 years older than me, were really able to help guide me a little bit. But ultimately, it was me just navigating it in the dark, picking out different books and seeing what stuck and sort of throwing it at the wall. And it really seems, it's not a career, it's more like a calling. Totally. Of what you're doing. Totally. Just well, I think that, so many people. Yeah, and I think that ultimately, like, all of us, really, that's what it is. And I see so much now, different people who, you know, especially women, are so inspired to help people. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. But then what I find now happens is that sometimes women are like, okay, I want to help people, so I'm going to go to health and wellness, and it's going to, I'm going to follow the mold of what this person did. But the reality is that each of us have a specific, you know, specific things that we're supposed to express different skills that we're supposed to utilize and different ways that we're supposed to do basically live our life and so we can't really be fit into the exact model of someone else so for me that's what I hope to be an embodiment and then also guide other people to do is just that you're not going to fit into the box you might you know have some coaching elements to what you do but you might also do something else you know it's kind of you being the fullest expression of yourself is doing all the things that light you up that you can really help people with but it's going to be a unique thing to you and your job is just to fi- to figure that out and then then to actually follow the calling when the calling comes. That's cool. And you mentioned feminine energy. Yeah. What is that? And what is the difference between that and masculine energy? Sure. Do you mind? Yeah, I love about? this topic. So, um, so all of us, men, women, and everyone who identifies in whatever way they identify, we all have masculine and feminine energy within us. Okay. It's just that in our society, the masculine energy for so long, whether because of patriarchy or just the way that our systems and businesses have been designed, 
we all tend to, at least especially in cities, tend to favor the masculine energy, which is going, doing, forward thinking, it's linear, it's rational, it's very structured, it's contained, it is outward expressing. And so when we think about those of us who are kind of go-getters, we're always in that energy of go, hustle, move, execute, you know, put for, you know, put yourself in forward motion. What ends up happening though is that for all of us, men and women, but particularly women, because we naturally have more feminine energy, we're feeling out of balance. So the feminine energy is about being versus doing. So it is just non-doing. It's turning inward. It's intuitive. It's collaborative. It's creative. It is flowing and fluid. It's about beauty for the sake of beauty, creating for the sake of creating. It's about cycles. And so it's just very different than the masculine energy. And so that's what now I'm finding it with a lot of women, but I also work with men with this too who are also feeling you know, completely disconnected from this side as well, mm-hmm. is really helping people just to get back into balance. So for everyone, it's just they tend to be an overdrive in this masculine energy of thinking they need to hustle and go after things and burn themselves out versus there's this whole other energy available to them that's equally as powerful that is you know, being in stillness and resting and waiting till your intuitive voice comes through and seeing what wants to be created and basically birth through you um, whatever projects you're feeling excited about and only then executing on it so for me when I think of feminine power and feminine energy it's women who are actually leading from that energy it's women who are leading in a powerful way from their intuitive capabilities they're creative and they're collaborative and they're nurturing and they're reflective and they are able to hold space really well for other people and that's what I think we need more female leaders doing as opposed to women who are rising into their power but are trying to you know make it basically make themselves into a more masculine frame of what leadership and power looks like Mm -hmm. I mean there's a lot of adjectives that are around women empowerment that have those masculine energies like hustle and I don't believe in it yeah I'm like I'm honestly I feel like I'm also here to embody for people that your business can be successful and you can be successful in whatever way that looks like for you for Mm -hmm. me it's it's in terms of impact and in terms of wealth in terms of how much value I can add to other people but in a way that still feels like flow and ease and in that same space if you're in your feminine energy let's say 60 to 70 percent of the time you're meditating you're taking time to reflect you're spending time in nature then you'll know with crystal clear clarity what it is you need to do and then you bring in that yang energy that masculine energy to execute mm-hmm. but it's 30 to 40 percent of your time just feel it just feels a lot better like I'm so against that yeah. hu- that hustle culture it works for some people it's just for me yeah I don't like that model and so mm-hmm. I'm just like want to show other people like hey there's a different way of doing this yeah. in case in case you want to like hop on board this way of doing it yeah for sure well what three adjectives would you give for feminine energy I would say surrendered intuitive and creative I like that speaking on words Mm -hmm. the other day you posted about how you were really into words lately Mm -hmm. and I loved that because I'm also huge into words my husband and I we actually every month pick a word and we'll write it down on our calendar and I just I think it's great because you can embrace the word however you want to and there's an empowerment with that word and you can really reflect on it and focus on it. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe we could talk about a few words relating to um, people who have digestive health issues or any concern in general. The first word being vulnerability. I think that sometimes people associate being vulnerable with being weak 
but really everyone is vulnerable in a sense, but it can really mean bravery. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on what vulnerability means to you and how can you embrace being vulnerable without feeling that weakness? Sure. I think, yeah, when I had looked up, I was playing with this word vulnerability a lot in the past while and just what does it mean to be vulnerable? And, um, and the definition of it was awful. It was like threatening, you're going to be attacked. <laughs> and then I was thinking, okay, well, of course nobody wants, nobody likes that. But vulnerability, there's such power in it. To me, vulnerability ultimately is even if you take that definition of, okay, you're vulnerable to being you're, you're open to being attacked or judged or whatever else. But the whole point of why that is is because you're so in your own truth and authenticity. So vulnerability to me just means the courage to be who you really are and to own all facets of yourself. I think so often we're scared to show how multifaceted we are. Mm-hmm. And the more vulnerable you meet is, it's basically vulnerability could then mean just openness, like the the courage to, to be more open, to show more sides of who you are. And the most vulnerable thing you then could do is show all sides of who you are, but then you're showing up in the fullness of who you are, mm-hmm. um, which is also when you feel best, most aligned, most true to yourself. So that's what I think about the word vulnerability lately is the ability to not hide different parts of yourself. So in the context then of anyone having different diagnoses or whatever else, and so the idea is, well, how can you, instead of hiding that, how can you instead bring it to the forefront as a part of who you are, to not be ashamed of it, to not keep it in the back, and instead to just embrace it in this whole kind of multifaceted wholeness of who you are and to embrace it in a way that feels good for you but also to speak about it and to be okay with speaking about it in a way that feels authentic and true for you knowing that there's some people that just aren't going to understand and that's okay but for you to be rooted enough to know well wow I'm just going to be myself and the people who are meant to connect with me will and the people who aren't meant to understand my journey are just never going to. It's kind of like any journey, really. You find out who you're close with, right? Whenever you go through big moments. Totally. Whether it be a diagnosis or even in planning a big life event, like a wedding or having a baby, you find those people who are close to you because they're supporting you. So mm-hmm. I, I really like that idea of being vulnerable. And I mean, digestive health in general is a vulnerable topic. Totally. Because people find it embarrassing or mm-hmm. taboo, right? Creating that in a positive light with vulnerability is yeah. change things. I mean, I think with all of it too, it's just even in the vulnerability, and I always say to people, they're like, they're at different edges. Like for some people, it's just all of a sudden, you know, share everything about themselves feels too much too soon. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of just like push, just continue to push your edge of sharing just a bit more of the truth of who you are. And little by little, then you work your way up to just always, always showing all of that to everyone. But I think that even in the parts that you're showing to people is that you always get to create the narrative. So no matter what parts of yourself that you're showing, as long as it feels good for you, the narrative that you've crafted around it and it's one that feels empowering and awesome, then it'll be a lot easier for you to share it versus, you know, oh, I have, you know, I have this thing and it means it and you're kind of awkward about it or you've taken on other people and what they say about it as opposed to you thinking of like, what is the most empowered way for me to show this side of myself in a way that actually feels good um, for me? Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. That's really great. Okay. I want to talk about gut feeling. Mm -hmm. because 
The other day you had mentioned on your Instagram stories about how your body's always talking to you, but you might not be listening to it. How do you listen to your body and how do you really dig in? And, and I mean, the only feeling that I can think of listening to is that gut feeling. Can you talk about gut feeling and, and like how we can really listen to that and yeah. why we should listen to that? Well, that's sort of twofold. The first is that with gut feelings, especially your intuitive voice, that is the voice of your truth. That is the voice of your soul, your inner guide, and that's the voice of who you really are. Mm -hmm. That voice is loving and wise and kind and compassionate and also pretty authoritative in that it always knows the right next move for you to be in alignment with what you really should be doing versus the ego mind or the fear voice or the voice in your head or whatever else is full of judgment and it's fearful and it's worrisome and it's like always overthinking things mm -hmm. and it's just not real. It's just this chatter. It's this personality that we've just created and it's not actually true. It's just like this voice in our head. Mm -hmm. And so when we start to align with our inner voice and our gut feelings, we can know that it's just true, that that's actually the next right move for us or, you know, you shouldn't go forward with that opportunity or you should create this thing or whatever else. And that's ultimately how we should be living is just moment to moment knowing, okay, what's the next right step here? What's the next right step here? And so when you start to listen to your inner voice, life just becomes a lot more peaceful and easy and in flow because the next step is always clear to you about what you need to do in order for you to live, you know, whatever the most magnificent version of your life is. When you're caught in that ego voice or that voice in your mind, it's just, it's going to lead you in a million different directions. It's just, it just can take you off course a lot more easily and it also just takes you away from happiness because it's constantly scared it's constantly worrying it's constantly overthinking things that then there's not you know there's no real reason it's just going to waste time and energy basically yeah. just overthinking things versus if you start to listen to your inner voice of that I call them the nudge nudges like okay. you feel that that nudge nudge or tug tug mm -hmm. and the more that you start to just follow that you notice that that intuitive hit whether it's that that feeling in your gut or that inner voice or whatever is always leading you to the right place at the right time and you just see so many more synchronicities and then you're like wow this is amazing why don't I just follow this all the time and from being an embodiment of someone who follows it all the time it's just life that unfolds in really magical and amazing ways which is mm -hmm. so fun yeah that is fun mm -hmm. but often those ego feelings is that what you call them ego thoughts ego thoughts they're so much louder than your gut feelings. Mm -hmm. So you might have a gut feeling, but then your ego thoughts are kind of compressing it down yeah. and saying, no, 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 no. Yeah. How can you quiet the ego thoughts to really increase the volume of those yeah. gut feelings One of those the, nudges? The best, best ways is through meditation, truly, because in meditation, it allows you to get quiet, to turn back into your body, to turn back into your heart, to, to drop out of the mind a little bit. And also just through meditation, you're just watching your thoughts go by. And eventually over time, if you continue to practice, you just actually have fewer thoughts. Mm -hmm. So it becomes easier to tell that intuitive voice because it comes normally in moments of quiet when that voice is silenced. Um, so meditation is one of the best ways for people to start to do that. Same thing with journaling, just like brain dumping for a page or two every day, just starting to write out 
you know, I'll just write out what I'm feeling right now is, or the thoughts that are in my brain right now are, and I'll literally just free write for a page or two. And that's another really amazing way of clearing the mind because the intuitive voice is always there. It's just sometimes silenced. And so the best strategy actually is to do the work of meditation and journaling as two of the best ways to start to let it go. And that will create space for that intuitive voice to start to come through or those gut feelings or whatever else. But the other idea is for you to always trust, okay, this this nudge nudge or tug tug came up. Mm-hmm. And then you ask yourself, like, is that, does that make me feel excited? Does it feel like a positive choice? Does that feel exciting and fun and expansive to me? And then if it's a yes and you know that you're on the right track and then your mind, you just know that the mind's just coming in with its generalizations of like, oh no, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be hard, what if you fail, da 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 Like it'll come up with its own commentary, usually about why you shouldn't do something. Mm-hmm. Um, normally it's not like, yeah, that sounds awesome, we yeah. should really do that. Normally it's just trying to talk you out of it and then that's your, that's how you start to practice. It's like, oh, maybe I'll just actually trust my gut this time. Mm-hmm. But anytime people don't trust their gut, they always have stories of how things didn't work out for yeah. them. And every time they do trust their gut, they always have stories of how everything worked out for them. So it's just, it's sort of a daily practice and it's that daily discernment too of like, is this a loving thought and a wise thought or is this a fear-based thought? And if it's a fear-based thought, then I know that it's not actually real. I just created it. I find that people talk about gut feelings when there have been negative situations Mm -hmm. or, you know, like walking alone at night. You're not going to go down that alley because you have that gut feeling something and you listen to it when you want to keep yourself safe. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like a lot of people listen to those gut feelings Mm -hmm. in times of safety or keeping themselves safe more than they do when there's something like exciting happening or I wonder why that is. I think it's just because your soul gets so, I believe that the intuitive yeah. voice is the voice of your soul. And I think when you're in a situation of danger, that's where your, your soul will just be so loud okay. because it's, it's actually needs to protect you mm-hmm. versus others. Your soul is still trying to do the same thing and protect you and keep you in your, you know, in your highest vibration and living your best life. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's going to be quieted in those moments, but where it's kind of fight or flight, it'll come through a lot louder and so it's just it's a stronger feeling and so I always say to people too there's normally for most people intuition will speak in three ways it'll either be visual so they'll see a bunch of signs everywhere or someone will keep mentioning the same thing to them it'll either come in um, vibes so vibration like you'll kind of get chills or real body sensation or the other way is just through a voice like an inner voice that you actually hear this voice in your head that's like don't go there go here and it's it's much more authoritative basically okay and so for people to think about, okay, in, in those times where I did have a gut feeling, how did it show up for me? Was it that I kept seeing this sign everywhere? Was it because I really felt in my body something was off? And then that's the way that they can first start to practice you know, trusting that voice day to day is just checking in. Okay. Am I seeing signs around here? Am I getting this voice in my head that keeps reminding me like break up with him or am I getting, you know, or, or am I just getting this full body chills whenever someone mentions this thing? And that's how you can start to start to play with it too, is understanding in which ways intuition normally strongest for you. And then sort of starting to follow, follow that in your day to day. Hmm. How do you personally practice that? So that was how I really started to, um, home my intuitive voice was through 
daily meditation and journaling just to clear my mind. And as I did that, my intuition just got stronger and stronger and stronger. The other ways that you can also hone and I continue to is, you know, anytime if my diet is ever off and I'm not eating super clean, my intuition won't be as strong versus when I'm eating clean and I'm feeling really healthy, then my intuition is much stronger and much clearer. Same thing if I've been downtown in Toronto for a long time and I haven't been in nature. Nature can also help you to kind of like you know gain clarity and I think for a lot of people they tend to get these sort of inspirational insights or visions when they're in nature for that reason um so nature can be really helpful as well but for me it was kind of this daily process of meditation and journaling clearing my thoughts through that way and my intuition just got stronger and stronger and stronger um and so those were the two main and then after that I did a course it was all on channeling which is then where you're like getting messages that aren't even from you um so you get those yeah that's really neat would that be like a medium in a sense it's like mediumship yeah and so i only occasionally will have people that have passed come through in my channel so the idea is that if your mind is just so open and there are no thoughts on it then then other thoughts or messages can be transmuted to you Mm -hmm. and so um, so I've had that happen, but typically, yeah, it's just other voice or messages will come through of like, this is what you need to create or this is what needs to be shared right now. That's and so cool. Yeah. It's really, it's really cool. <laughs> Did you ever think that you would? No, yeah, never. That's really, that's really cool. Um, but it was just sort of a natural thing that happened and it was so synchronistic even, you know, I had been pretty tuned in before and then I you know, through happenstance, met this Brazilian woman. In Brazil, they're super tapped into their intuition because as kids, they encourage them never to turn it off. And so I met her in a synchronistic meeting one day, and out of nowhere, because she's super intuitive, said, you know, I just want you to know you're about to start channeling. Don't be scared when it happens for you. You know, you have support around you and da-da-da-da. And then I'm not kidding you, like, exactly a week later, all of a sudden, I just felt this way. I just felt it for the first time, and I was like, "Whoa, crazy!" That's so cool. Yeah, it was That's really awesome. cool. I feel like I could have a whole episode just talking. Yeah, about that channeling. I'm so, yeah, I'm so interested in that. Yeah, That's it's really, really cool. To some people, they're like, "I think you're out of control," but but I think it's true. And the thing is, the messages are clear. Like I mm-hmm. use it all the time with my clients, and so. For me, I'm like, you can be skeptical, but I'm also about to tell you things that I have, like, I don't know that about you. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting this message for you and passing it on. That's really neat. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You also mentioned free writing and free journaling. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? There's two ways. I think when people are first starting, one of the best things to just write with is, I feel, so what do you feel in that moment? Um, I'm feeling overwhelmed about this. I keep thinking about this. Most mm-hmm. of our minds are so busy to just start with that, and then you could and write for a full page if you can, and then just write out, I'm grateful for. I like using, I feel, i grateful for, and what I desire is. And it just helps you, to, even with that question of asking yourself, like, what do I desire, what do I want? It changes all the time. And so for you just to start to get in connection with yourself, like, yeah, what do I want today? Sometimes you're like, I just want to feel a little bit more energized. Other days you're like, I want to create a multi-million dollar business. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever whatever comes up is whatever comes up. But to ask yourself that in free write can be really helpful. And you just starting to reconnect with yourself and what mm-hmm. you want. In terms of intuition itself and really honoring that voice, what I always say to people is it can be really helpful for them to move first. So like after a workout or a yoga class to then go home because because then they'll have shifted. They'll just have gotten out of their head a little bit. And then to write out at the top of their journal the message inner guide or universe or whatever, the me- what are the messages that I need to receive right now? And then to put on a song or a timer for 10 minutes and just to write for 10 minutes free write. Just even if you're like, purples 
flower shoe, you know, like <laughs> whatever words right. are coming out and you're like, I don't even know what that is. Um, but just to, if you keep on practicing and you keep on pushing yourself to just write and write and write, eventually you'll start to hear this voice come through that is loving and kind and all knowing and compassionate and so wise. And it's basically the voice of like what you would say to your best friend is that voice. And so that over time, you'll start to notice it and you'll start to feel it like when that voice comes over you then you'll be able to tell what it is. That's neat. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. On the topic of meditation, mm-hmm. how do you differentiate between those ego thoughts and those intuitive thoughts when they're coming through in meditation? Normally what will happen is that the ego thoughts will come first and okay. then the intuitive thoughts will come in. Um, so that's the first thing. And so typically when we first sit, it's just mm-hmm. thoughts that are in the back of our mind. The first thing that I always say to people too is that you're supposed to be thinking the brain has thoughts. That's amazing. The brain is meant to think thoughts. It's just that we should be able to get to a point of clarity in meditation. However, for most people, that point may never come in their life. It may come for a minute in their meditation practice or it may come where they're in that space of no thought for a really long time. Depends on the you know what the person's practice is, but what I encourage people to do is the more that you sit and you just allow yourself to sit there, you just start to become curious about what's going on in your mind. Mm-hmm. And so at first, and I think that the first few times meditating are most difficult for people just because of the way that the brain science works. Is that the thoughts that you haven't been thinking these back burner thoughts of like a laundry list of the things you have to do or something that someone said to you at work that day. It's just that there's only so much room for you to focus in your consciousness. So all of a sudden you sit and that thought that you've been too busy focusing on other stuff all day to actually allow it to come forward, all of a sudden comes forward. So people are like, oh, I hate meditation because all of a sudden I start thinking about what I need to get at the grocery store. But that's the whole point. Once you start to continue to sit over time, those back burner thoughts, as I call them, don't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. So you'll just sit or maybe they pass more quickly. And then eventually you start to get to that spot where it's still, um, it's just thoughts from your awareness are basically coming up. So it might be that you'll, you know, have a memory of someone come up or you'll have this thought of, oh, I really need to reach out to that person. Mm. What I say to people is just invite the thoughts in. The whole idea is that in meditation, you're just becoming the observer. And then you just get curious about them. Like I just love the self-inquiry of meditation of you're sitting there, the thoughts go by. And I just tell people like label the thought interesting. Like, oh, I just thought of my ex-boyfriend from grade seven. Fascinating, you know? (laughs) Like, let me go back to my breath now, but like, let's table that for later. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, oh, I was thinking, hey, maybe I should reach out to that person. Okay, interesting. Let me come back to my breath now. And it's sort of just to engage with what's happening in your mind with this friendliness and curiosity Mm -hmm. has always sort of been my approach to meditation, which is sort of, it's a bit of a mix of like Vipassana style meditation and Buddhism, Mm -hmm. but there's so much that is, um, I think, like that's how you really connect with yourself is understanding what's going on in, in your mind and also with curiosity being like, oh, that's so interesting that I thought of this person from this time in my life. Like yeah. there's a message there for me. What does that mean? I love that. Mm-hmm. Instead of just silencing your thoughts really yeah, and, and pushing them away, you're categorizing them almost. Or, yeah, and yeah. you're just being like, that's really curious. And mm-hmm. then you table it. You don't like go down. The idea though is to not go down the rabbit hole of the thought and that's what you have to sort of right, learn okay. in the practice. Um, is for you to just notice the thought of like, okay, this person from the past came up, this image of them or, or whatever else. 
oh, okay, I'm going to label that interesting, move it on. And then the process of self-inquiry after in your journal mm. or with talking with other people be like, oh, that's so interesting. Why did I think of that person or that memory? And there's some type of wisdom there that's coming through from your soul mm. about, about what that's about. There's some piece of like, there's a little nugget there of something that's relevant to you now. That's why that memory or that thought has come up. And so often now, I mean, I think it's so amazing that so many more people are open to meditation, but you need like the process of, of the self inquiry after is really how you mm-hmm. how you transcend. It's really how you get to a, a, a place of happiness and, and love when you and of just also self love, mm-hmm. but just knowing yourself more through understanding those thoughts. Yeah. And, so instead of stopping meditation and going about your day, you stop, write things down, and yeah. kind of just reflect on. The reflection. Yeah, the reflection. Mm-hmm. What's awesome. going on in my head? And then it's just then you have so much fun with Like, I just love this process. Other mm-hmm. people might not get excited, but I love it because then it's so interesting. You just, you start to develop such a, a deep relationship with yourself mm-hmm. because you're thinking, wow, I'm so interesting. Why did I have that thought? Oh, and, and it reminds you of this different part of your life. And then you get to reflect on that and, and, and spend time with yourself reflecting on that. And it's a really just beautiful, it's a beautiful practice. Yeah. And it might help you with, whatever you need help with down the road too. Totally. Yeah, that's totally. awesome. Um, I want to talk about embracing your normal as well. You know, people who have something that isn't quote-unquote normal, I, I don't even like that word normal because what is normal, but you know, if you have a digestive health issue or any other type of concern, I feel like I keep saying that, how can you embrace it when there's no cure or you're just always kind of feeling like crap and nothing's working. How can you embrace that norm that you have or whatever is going on? The first thing is to ask yourself, what is this teaching me? So to be in the perspective of everything that is happening, Mm -hmm. even if challenging, is happening for me because there's a lesson here. And so the first thing for people is to switch that to, it basically switches it out of victimhood into a more empowered stance of like, okay, this isn't happening to me. This is happening for me. And from that perspective, what is this teaching me? So maybe, you know, for some people it might be that their failure to have a doctor really listen to them or diagnose them empowers them to then create a program and become the holistic healer that they really needed. Perhaps, you know, they weren't as in tune with their bodies before and now they are. Maybe it's that, you know, every illness from my perspective and any diagnosis, anything that's happening in the body, my personal perspective is that that there are lessons in it that that are there for you and there's a reason why your soul chose that, no matter how painful or difficult it is. And so to have that lens with it of, okay, well, what ultimately is this teaching me and how can I almost befriend um, befriend my symptoms and befriend the illness or befriend a diagnosis? So that would be the first thing. And the other thing within that, then you can create a more empowered narrative around it of just this is – this is what I have, but it's teaching me about this, or it's helping me to do this. And in that way, you can you can have more of a dialogue with it as if it's this friend, or just not even friend, maybe you can still be angry at it, but it could be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And it's just this, you know, it's a journey that you're on that, that 
there's a reason that you're on. And so I find that even just having that shift for people in terms of pain, in terms of diagnoses can be really helpful Mm -hmm. because then you understand, okay, well, is this teaching me to slow down? Is this teaching me to be super mindful of how I move and, and love and heal my body? Or is it, you know, what, what else is it in it that's Mm -hmm. helping me? I like how you said, you know, tap the relationship like it's a friend Mm -hmm. because then you're not labeling yourself or identifying as somebody who has IBS or somebody who has Crohn's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's some, I'm somebody that deals with Crohn's, Mm -hmm. but it's not who, it's not what defines me. Right. right? Exactly. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. And I guess you could in meditation or journaling or really digging into that intuition, you can think of how what you're dealing with can support you. Yeah. Right. And so even focusing to, on words and yeah. So even to like you could you could write down just to get your own creativity or intuition flowing with it too. If let's say you create that that friend or that object or that like vision of whatever this thing is for you, and then just write words, whatever words first come to mind when you think about it. Mm-hmm. What are you associating with it? And then to determine whether you actually want to keep any of those words in your lexicon about it, or maybe shift some of them. And the other thing is that. Just use that intuitive voice or that space to really reflect on what has this been teaching me over the years in this whole journey that I've been on. What what has this taught me? What am I learning here? And and why you know why do I think that this is ultimately for my highest good? Mm-hmm. And that can be tough for people. If you're yeah. stuck in victim mentality, that's going to sure. be tough for you. Yeah. Um, How do you get out of that? I guess it's a lot. It's a big. It's process. a choice, right? It's always choice. a choice. Like happiness is always a choice. You get literally with everything. You can see yourself as a victim, or you can mm-hmm. see yourself as being courageous. And so it's like, or even with everything, it's like you can see your circumstances as being really terrible and awful, mm-hmm. or even when things are terrible and awful, you can have the perspective of this is challenging, but it's teaching me something. Totally. And I just feel like that's a lot of a happier way to live, mm-hmm. even when things are super difficult, than, than living in that other way. It's like you always have those polarities, and it's your choice what you want to dance in. Mm-hmm. Just for me, and what I love to, you know, help encourage people to do is really to think okay what perspective is actually going to make you happy mm-hmm. because the other one of staying there is that really going to make you happier is it going to make you feel stuck and feel yeah. brutal all the time and you know shitty situations happen yeah and you can get stuck in them but I I really agree with you that you can embrace those shitty situations mm-hmm. and know that they're going to get better mm-hmm. and that once they do get better you can look back and realize you're a better person because of them too yeah yeah yeah, a lot of it is mindset over time too. It's like mm-hmm. these daily shifts, moment by moment, day to day. Oh, okay, I've gotten caught in the drama again. Like, oh, okay, I've gotten caught in victim again. The first step is just noticing when you've gone down that step and be like, okay, let me choose again. Let me re-pivot. Let me center back in again. Let me, you know, and then have whatever empowering thought that you want to replace with that one. At mm-hmm. first it feels like a bit, you're reprogramming yourself basically right. to think in a new way and to perceive in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately over time it really does work. I like that. Mm-hmm. I honestly could talk to you <laughs> for hours about everything that you do. I think it's just so interesting and you're very wise. Thank which you. Which is really cool. Do you have any events or upcoming happenings that you want to talk about that you're going to be doing? Or? Sure. I have um, I have a bunch of retreats coming up. I have one at the end of September that's Camp Goddess. So it's mm. going to be a bigger retreat, which is going to be so fun. Where is that? Um, it's in... 
It's near Lake Simcoe. It's about an hour and a half outside of Toronto. Okay, nice. So that's going to be awesome. So I have that one. And then um, I have retreats regularly in Costa Rica. So I have one in November, another one in February. And so I just run regular retreats in Costa Rica. And then also Tulum and other places. So mm. people can look um, online and see what retreats I have coming up. I run about one a month at this point. And then otherwise, I always am in the space of creating new programs for people. And so the different programs that I offer are some online programs to help people start to explore their soul and spirituality through a thing called Soul School. I have another program that's designed to help people really connect with their inner light and vibrancy and confidence. That's called Six Weeks of Shine. And I work with some people one-on-one. And then I also just have regular circles um, and now movement, this movement practice that I'm teaching if you're in Toronto I run those a few times a month as well. So lots of different offerings and things. And you have your soul map as well? Yeah, so soul map is a free resource for anyone. You can download it on my website. And that is filled with an overview of how do you start meditating? How do you create sort of a self-connection practice? And it also has a bunch of questions that are really powerful to ask yourself to start to do some of this reflective work about maybe where you're where you're getting those tug tug nudge nudges mm-hmm. to go in a new direction and just it's really helpful to gain um clarity about mm-hmm. what your next steps are so that you can download on my website so that would be a good first first item step to get yes. if you don't know where to start yes okay. step one soul map and what's your website www.katiefen.com and where can people find you on social media also under Katie Fenn. Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And yeah, I loved having you on the Gut Gazette podcast. Thank you for having me. Let's connect online. The next time you're on your favorite platform, look up the Gut Gazette and feel free to say hello. Or if you fancy a read, head over to thegutgazette.com for all things gut.